Welcome to Unity of Tucson. So I titled my talk, Bring In the Jolly. Ah, we can bring it on and then bring it in, right? We can attract the jolly, we can allow ourselves to take that jolly nature and let it be a magnificent, rooted part of who we are. The thing is, we can never not have it. We just forget sometimes. So that's why we are going to celebrate and continue to celebrate in this community, Christmas in July, every single July on the last Sunday of the month, because I think it is good for us to remember. How do we find our jolly, though? And what is jolly, you know? For me, I think of jolly, I think of, you know, Santa Claus. Ho, 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 ho. And, and he's a jolly fat elf, right? That's what they say. That he was a pure experience of magnificent joy. And he, was spread that, he will spread that joy throughout the world. At least that's one way of understanding it. And here's the thing about joy. There is no other purpose in life than to experience, feel, and express joy. That's it. There is no other purpose in life. That's what uh, one of the founders and one of the fathers of New Thought taught, Thomas Troward. He said, the only reason for us to be here is to experience and express joy. Everything else is superfluous. It's, a, it's secondary. So let me ask you this question. It is a rhetorical question. I'm not looking for a show of hands. But I want you to just check in with yourself in this moment to answer this question for yourself. Am I truly experiencing infinite joy? And if there's a yes, but, ah, the but is always the thing that we need to start looking at and start addressing because there is no reason to ever have a but. <clears throat> so, hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I think about this. Um, I used to joke with my mentor in ministry that every time he would say something that could be maybe a little blue, um, that I had these things all on video because I used to take care of like videotaping all of his messages and everything. And I was like, oh, that's something I need to remember. Of course, I haven't remembered anything because I would video, I videotaped messages of his for years. And if I ever tried to go back and like find all of that stuff, I would never find it. But I thought to myself in just that moment, wow, if somebody like used that and put it on the internet and said, what is he, what is this minister talking about his butt for? Um, What would I sit on if I got rid of my butt? Um, <laughs> thank you, Darwin, for bringing that to mind. Um, <clears throat> all right, I need to regroup myself <laughs> as I've gone off track. Um, I want to talk a little bit about unity as a, as, as, as a faith philosophy. Um, you know, I don't, I don't t tend to use the word religion. I say it's a faith philosophy. It is a, it is a pathway to a deepened expression and experience of life. And I want to acknowledge the fact that unity does have its roots in Christianity. Um, 
Charles Fillmore, Myrtle Fillmore were very much rooted in the paradigm of Christian teaching. And they brought the metaphysical understanding, they brought a metaphysical understanding, they brought a metaphorical approach to understanding Christianity. And ultimately, what I think they were encouraging us all to do was to let go of the trappings of what would be considered traditional Christianity and move more towards the teaching of the Christ. That's what they were here to do. That's what they were here to express and exhibit. So when I was at Unity Village this uh, few weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess it's a few months ago now, um, we were all given this beautiful brochure for Unity Village. And right in the very opening of it, it said, while having its beginnings in Christianity, the Unity teachings bring together ancient wisdom from many faith traditions. And so that's why I think having an example and an experience of a ritual like the Flames of Faith is important to me in my expression as a unity minister. While we have doctrine, we do not teach dogma. And I've talked about the difference between doctrine and dogma. Dogma, dogma cannot be questioned. Doctrine, I think, should be questioned. We should constantly be asking questions and putting this to the test. And in unity, we honor all spiritual paths. That's an important thing for me to reflect on and remember as we celebrate today, Christmas in July. So what do we teach in unity? I've thought about some thoughts, some things that we teach in unity. One of the things that we teach in unity is this, an aspirational vision for a transformed society an aspirational vision for a transformed society. And that, I think, can be found in remembering who we are. And on this day where we celebrate Christmas in July, that's what Jesus was teaching, an aspirational vision for a transformed society. What we don't teach is an afterlife dream about heaven, where we're going to get to at some point. We don't teach that. Jesus didn't teach that. That's all stuff that was constructed later. What we do teach, practical steps in support of a movement to advance a message. That message is love only. And isn't that what Jesus taught? Love only. Jesus was here to fulfill the covenant and present a new covenant that was rooted in that construct. Love only Full stop, period, end of sentence. That's it. Love only. What we don't teach is the worship of a name. We don't teach the worship of something out there. We teach a sense of worthship that is existing right here at the core of each and every one of us. What we do teach that Jesus was one who demonstrated unity in his expression and experience of life. He was not the only one. There is no separation from God. He said, I and the Father are one, and he wasn't talking about himself as though he's setting himself apart. He was saying, we as the collective I are one with the infinite power and presence that is God. Again, remember who you are. What we don't teach is that the death of Jesus solved the problem of a separation from God, which is a conscious issue and idea. For we can never be separate. We only trick ourselves into thinking that we're separate. 
because we start to believe all the stuff out there rather than looking to our heart, remembering ourselves as the divine, expressing love only, and letting that be the place from which we flow forward into experience and expression. Much of the dogma of traditional Christianity is rooted in and conceived by this man who is purported to have uh, written much of the New Testament, and that is a man named Paul. And it deviates from the core message of Jesus. Paul leaned into the magical message, making the, making the relevant aspects of Jesus's life be the birth and the death, rather than what I like to call the dash. You know what the dash is, right? You go to a headstone and it's got the, the birth date and then there's the date of transition and in between there's a dash and that dash represents the breadth of a life. So Paul made it a lot about what traditionally Christmas is about, the birth, and what traditionally Easter is about, the death and the resurrection. But I want to focus on the dash. This is the teaching. This is the dash. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here, right here and now. There is no place we're ever getting to. The kingdom of heaven is a state of mind. This is also part of the dash. Be compassionate. Live and express from a heart of compassion, pure love, for that is what and who you are. Have faith. Have faith. Rooted in your innate identity as God. It is not faith in God. It is the faith of God as God. That is who and what we are. Be sincere. What do I mean by that? It is not up to us to showboat our faith. One of the things I loved about New Thought teachings, and I mean, there's a lot that, there's a lot that I love about New Thought teaching, um, but one of the things that, that really resonated with me is that we don't proselytize in New Thought. We don't go out there and try to convert people. We feel, we teach, that the best way to invite people into this frame of mind is to live the best life we can and then be the example in the same way that Jesus was the example. That if we're doing that, then we draw into our experience, we attract into our experience those who resonate at that vibration or those who want to resonate at that vibration and see this as a path to that end. In Matthew 6, it says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. That's not our thing. That's not our thing. Now, do we pray publicly? Yes. But it is always rooted in the quiet of our mind. It is not about the show of prayer. It is about the activity of prayer. Also, part of that dash is the teaching, love your enemies. Oh, that's a hard one for some people. There is no time for hate. Ultimately, that's what it all boils down to. There is no time for hate. So love that which you perceive to be your enemy. You know how you do that? In remembering who you are, recognize that they are that too. I've always said, 
as a, a long-standing part of my ministry, that when I know who I am, when I recognize and know myself as God, then I must know that about every single person that exists on this planet, and I must know that about all creation, for there can be no separation from the infinite. And when I understand that as my truth, and I understand that as your truth, it eliminates all the isms, and it eliminates all the phobias, for there can be no isms, there can be no phobias when we know who we are and understand that, because all we would see in the faces of every single person we encounter is God and nothing else. Can you get behind that principle, that ideal, and see the face of God in every single person you encounter? I'm going to let you off the hook. I have a challenge with that sometimes myself. (laughs) But when I find myself faced with that challenge, I have adopted in my heart a reminder to say, I know who I am. And so I know who this person is too. And so I must acknowledge and admit that love is the only way. Another part of the dash is this. God in man is man. Not meant to be gender specific. It's all humanity. It's all creation. God in creation is creation. Again, the Father and I are one. We are that power. We are that presence. Also, it is done unto you as you believe. It is done unto you as you believe. And so what is it that you believe? One of the things I forgot to say this morning, and I frequently say at the beginning of of, of each week's celebration, is you may hear things that you don't believe or may challenge your beliefs. That's a good thing. Because if we are inviting you to invest in a doctrine, then question the doctrine. Question what it is we are saying you may want to look at as a belief. Question your own beliefs to say, is this a belief that is absolutely working for me in my life? And if it is, magnificent. And if it is not, you and you alone have the power to shift your beliefs. How do we do that? Well, the practical tools we teach in this particular philosophy, our prayer and meditation. And boy, did we get into quite a discussion about the differences between prayer and meditation in the Wednesday night class. It was quite, because a lot of what we ended up with in the Wednesday night class, I would identify more as active, prolonged prayer than meditation, the way we teach meditation. Nothing wrong with that. It's really a semantic argument. Here's the thing. How are you utilizing your mind rooted in your heart space to address that which you may want to address? Because as we place that energy into love only, into infinite forgiveness, and into remembering who we are, those for me are the only things that I ever want to focus on in prayer. That's the only thing I ever want to contemplate in a contemplative meditation practice. Because when I embody those things, and I invite you to consider, if you embody those things, love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. If you embody those things, you know what happens? Life gets so much easier. Because I stop thinking about all the stuff out there because I cannot be moved by stuff out there any longer. Jesus taught this too. 
He gave us through, in the Sermon on the Mount, he gave us scientific prayer. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. All he said is, make your claim and it is so. That is rooted in knowing who you are. It is rooted in faith. You have to knock. One of my favorite mottos is, you can't get the yes unless you ask. Think about that. We're all so quick to acknowledge and admit a no in our lives because we are too afraid to ask. But if you want your life to shift, ask for the shift. Don't ask it from anything out there. Ask it of yourself. What is mine to do today? To shift into a direction of love, forgiveness, and unity, wholeness, understanding. We do teach there are many paths. There are many paths. And my encouragement always is find what works. Find what works. What we don't teach is that there's only one legitimate way to know the truth, for there is only one legitimate way to understand and experience divinity. That would be dogma. That would be dogma. What is the path that works for you? Heaven is at hand. I believe this. This is what I believe. Check in with what you believe. Heaven is at hand, for it is a state of mind. It is not some place I'm getting to. It is a place that I can accept and live wholeheartedly right here and now. The responsibility for the suffering that we experience on this plane of action is not God's to fix, not God out there, but it is God's to fix because we are the power in the presence. It is ours to address. We don't teach final judgment. It doesn't exist. There is no condemnation that we teach. There is only love. That's it. The second coming of Jesus is our acceptance of our innate divinity. We are the second coming of Jesus. That's what we stand for here. So what will you do today? What will you do today? There's, you know, I love social media. I don't know if anybody knows that. (laughs) Because I, I talk about it, I think, more frequently than I would care to admit. There's a video... Uh, that has gone around. And actually, the audio from the video has been used in many different iterations. Um, But it's Abraham Hicks. And this is one of the things that I thought, oh, this really resonates with me today because I think this is how we bring in our jolly. We decide to live it. So in this video, it is Esther Hicks saying these things out loud. And she says this, so when people say, what are you doing? You say, things that please me. And they'll say, toward what end? Pleasure. But what are you really working on? Having a good time. But what do you hope to accomplish? Living happily ever after. But what do you want to leave as your legacy? I was a happy one. But what is the mark that you want to have? Life is joyous. But what is the value that you see in contributing to this time and space reality? I am joyful. But what do you hope to accomplish? Being happy. (laughs) Let go of the notion that you have to please anybody else. 
Let go of the notion that you have to be something to anything outside of the self. Our job is to bring in the jolly, to find the joy in our hearts, and to live it with abandon and unapologetically. The mystics of the ages have all encouraged us in this direction. So we can, each and every one of us can bring in the jolly. We can live the joy we seek today and evermore by remembering who we are, forgiving everything, and understanding love only. Merry Christmas. You are magnificent. So here's a practical tool that I will invite you to take on in practice this week. This is the homework. I was going to say, if there's anybody who's new here for the first time, I give homework every week, but you all know that I give homework every week. This is the homework. I want you to disrupt, actively disrupt, any thoughts that contradict your true identity. Whoa. <laughs> Here's the thing, you don't have to put a lot of weight into it. When you think something that contradicts your identity, that contradicts the understanding of who you are, just say, whoa, stop, that's not true, or whatever you choose to say. That might work for me. Just allow yourself to take the moment to say, no, I don't have to believe this. I don't have to believe this. Now, you can use something. You know, there's people who will, like, put rubber bands about, around their wrist, and like, if they have a thought that they don't want to have, they will then snap the rubber band. I think that's a little cruel. <laughs> but if that works for you, then go for it. Um, I have, at times, carried, uh, like, a touchstone in my pocket, a, a little river stone, so that if I have forgotten something and I happen to put my hand in my pocket, I'm like, oh, yes, there's the reminder. Just something that says, this is my commitment to remembering. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.